You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Tuesday, 30 January. Microsoft and Alphabet results due later this evening. I'm Simon Brown coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, we're chatting with Audra Magashutu, 8th Triumph, South Africa. I want to touch on that rumors update yesterday, but I want to go a slightly bigger picture. We've seen a lot of uh, the retail updates in the last 10 days. What does this take? Certainly base effect. Evan Robbins from Old Mutual Investment Group reads uh, prospects for 2024. Sean Nathan from Morningstar. How do the JCD listings impact our investment portfolio? The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines for MoneyWeb. Dispute sees 78 cash crusaders turn heel and cancel their franchise agreements. The dispute began when they were informed they could no longer charge a new initiation fee every time a customer extended the period of the pawn transaction loan. Business day. Arsenal Mittler opens door to saving thousands of jobs. Groups considering reversing its closure plans after stakeholder appeals. Morning markets. A US is green. S&P have three quarters of a percent nasdaq up one percent those are new all-time highs east mostly red sydney a quarter of a percent down tokyo a quarter of a percent up hong kong down 2.1 percent 10 cent off 2.8 percent uh commodities mostly green gold 2050 brent is the rend red 82.70 platinum 937 palladium 9 87. Rand 1881, Bitcoin 43,500. And top 40 opening call uh, to the green, modestly so, 50 points, a little under a tenth of a percent up. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Turning now with uh, Odwa Magrentu, uh, Tribe South Africa. Odwa, I appreciate the early morning. The Truers update yesterday. Uh, I want to touch more broadly in a moment, but you'll take on, on, on the Truers number. Perhaps some of the, one of the lighter ones, certainly the market less excited compared to, for example, the, the Mr. Price and to a degree, the Fashini. Yes, uh, so I mean, the truest numbers yesterday were not, nothing to write home about. However, it's echoing what the other tr- trade updates have recently been uh, released, uh, stating that uh, the South African business itself is currently suffering, uh, obviously because of economic thing, uh, uh, interventions such as high interest rates and also the poor economic uh, conditions in South Africa with uh, the backlog happening in Durban right now. So uh, not, I mean, uh, they're still expecting higher than um, above uh, or positive rather yeah, earnings headline earnings per share, which is uh, something to look mm-hmm. out for. However, I mean, the, uh, in terms of the consumer, I mean, consumers are currently suffering a lot. And it seems like retail is not top of mind in terms of where to spend their money. Yeah, I, I take your, your point on that. If you look across the board, I mean, th- there's been a, a low base effect pretty much for all of them. Uh, some certainly had some better Decembers. Your, your, your take, was there any standouts, either good or bad side, in terms of what we've seen from these trading updates? The obvious bad side is that the consumer is still uh, suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we still need to see later uh, 
uh, information to see how bad that is with the lack of disposable income. However, I mean, uh, the likes of uh, Woolworths, uh, even though they also had something dis- uh, disappointing, I think that on their side, uh, they are still faring a bit well, uh, mm-hmm. uh, especially after the disposal of uh, David Jones. Yeah. So I think that that's uh, quite interesting on that side to see how they weather the storm as well. Um, and also Fashimi, I think, is one I'm also going to keep my eye on as the time goes. Keeping an eye on, but not jumping in just yet. I mean, there's a long way still to go for these uh, uh, consumer stocks. I mean, you mentioned interest rates. They're not coming down. I mean, they'll come down, but but perhaps not until mid-year. Correct, yes. Uh, right now, I think it's still very, in terms of the, you know, the consumer, they're still, you know, having to pay what's important, which is your rent and bonds, mm. uh, which then puts these retailers, you know, unfavorably in terms of consumers. And that's why, as you correctly said, you, uh, even with us, you're still on the pause. Pause is great in terms of interest rates. However, we need to see it go the opposite direction. And that's where we might see more disposable income get freed up for the true words and the Mr. Prices of the world to enjoy. In, in that case, is it the, the food retailers who better, we have to eat, we can, de- we can delay buying some clothes, we can say, you know what, we'll get that new shirt, I don't know, next year, next season, something, but like we have to be eating, but in that space, we've got Spar and Pick and Pay under, under the caution and ShopRite, I think, a lovely company, but lofty valuations. Mm. Uh, I mean, especially as, as you said, so I think um, people are also counting their cents, and that's why the likes of Spa and uh, Pick and Pay have suffered, even though people have to eat because uh, there have been uh, a consumer report showing that um, you, they are more on the high end in terms of uh, price that you pay for your food. Mm. Uh, the shop rights, I mean, I think is very well positioned. I, I like the fact that they also still continue to build distribution centers. Um, and I think that's going to give them a, a bigger footing in the market. Uh, Valuation-wise, uh, I th- still think there is some upside potentially for sh- uh, ShopRite. Uh, that depends on how the likes of your pick and pay and spas bounce back from this because the loss in their market share in the business could lead to spa capitali- I mean, ShopRite capitalizing. Yeah, fair point. And, and certainly we've seen ShopRite, I forget the number now, but it was, what's it, 50 months of, of market share gains, which has been helping them mm-hmm. and hurting everyone else. We'll leave that there. Uh, Odra McGuenshu, he's Tribe South Africa. Appreciate the early morning time. And that's Uphold today, LinkedIn and Twitter. Your opinion of these updates so far from the, the local retailers? They, they've been low base and they've been, I don't know, some better than others. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Evan Robbins. He's head of listed property portfolio manager, Old Mutual Investment Group. Evan, appreciate the time. Last year, I think maybe to the surprise of many, probably not yourself, is it the coalface for you? Actually, not a bad year for listed property in the end. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it improved right at the end. But if you look at it, still the total return over the whole year, 
was not what you want in a normal year. <laughs> it's still <laughs> <Fair so> relative. <laughs> I take you relative. Last week we had Saab, no rate adjustment from the MPC. Expectation is it will happen. The debate is when, maybe mid-year, maybe a little earlier. Reducing rates, that should be good for listed properties. It should be. It should reduce the interest bill, which has been a bit of a headwind at the moment. And of course, it improves what buyers can pay. But the bigger issue is the bond yields, which weigh far more yeah. heavily on the valuations property. And to the extent that it helps bond yields, it's good. To the extent it doesn't, if you know, the market's worried about inflation, it's bad. But certainly, it's, you can't argue it's a negative. I think the market's much looking at it as a signal of a drive for improving earnings. And I take the point in that you mentioned valuations there, and we are seeing attractive valuations in the listed property space. I mean, certainly trading at discount to net asset value, where if we go back uh, 2017 or there's about, there was quite a chunky premium to net asset value. Yes, I think a lot of that discount currently is justified. Bond yields are much higher than they've been, and the actual mm-hmm. yields, the values are using, haven't changed that much. And I think that disconnect's reflected in the market's view. But certainly, you know, that disconnect things are far cheaper on the listed market than what the direct market is paying and the value they're seeing. Gotcha. One of the tricks, of course, sector diversification. In South Africa, it's really the sort of retail, industrial and office. The diversification helps. It depends, I suppose, how much you've got into office because office might have found a bottom, but it's still a tough space. Yes, the office is still a very tough space. And it's also very visible. You drive around, you see the portfolio yeah. sign. But within a listed property sector, only about under 10% of my numbers exposure is actually to offices. That's including national exposure as well. Mm-hmm. So it's very visible and people jump to offices when they think about property. It's not the big picture. Property is more than offices, very much more than offices, which is the worst sector, um, as is well known. And then it is around retail and, and industrial. There's certainly been demand for industrial. Some folks are calling it logistics these days. And even retail, you know, looking around the malls, they are predominantly, they seem to be large let. And I appreciate I'm looking at sort of the larger malls and the larger metro areas, but certainly occupants seem to be quite strong there. Yes, I wouldn't say strong. Sure. It's not that weak. It would be strong. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not terrible. Far fewer offices and retail is being built, at least in, in major areas. And rents have come down substantially in retail. So, you know, that's rebased. So we can start seeing the benefits of that. And, you know, those doomsdayers really expecting malls to be empty. Most malls and the good malls have certainly weathered the storm. They, they're still around. And as you said, it's not doom and gloom. Yeah, no, certainly not. Diversified portfolios, a chunk, I mean, for a sector, there's a fair bit of offshore exposure. Now, of course, it's going to depend as you drill into the individual companies and different REITs. But broadly, there's some good offshore exposure there as well. There is some good offshore. I mean, there's also been some mistakes. But my concern offshore is just refinancing debt. Mm -hmm. A lot of the offshore investments were made when interest rates globally were very, very low levels, obviously. So as those come up for renewal, the rates are much higher. So they're going to pay those higher rates. And the debt markets offshore are far more difficult than when they did those deals. It's very hard to find commercial real estate. So the interplay between those factors is going to make not the net income from those properties challenging with, with the high income costs, but that is spread over a number of years and a lot of things can change and improve interest rate after we're seeing recently globally that will help that as well. You said some mistakes were made. Undoubtedly, they were. My sense is what we've also seen over the pandemic, but even as far back as sort of the 2018 when the REIT market peaked, there's been a lot of sort of getting rid of some of the non-core as the word being used. Do you think that they're generally looking with better portfolios than perhaps five years ago? I think they're generally in a better space than they were in terms of earnings quality. And maybe longer than five years ago, but before 
REITs were trying to pay the maximum, get maximum distribution growth. Yeah. And often they were with a quality of earnings. They were just trying to pay out as much as they can, which was fine in the bull market. The balance sheets got, you know, kept on going in value so they could borrow against that and everything was fine. When they were that train stopped, they had a bit of an issue because they couldn't play that game anymore. And now they had to refinance, you know, pay for CapEx that they were paying out dividends on from somewhere, et cetera. So they have now far more conservative. Most have got payout ratios now. It's so not paying out all their dividends all their earnings as dividends are retaining some. They're more conservative in what they regard as income that can be paid out. So I think it's far improved, and I don't think it's tech is getting the credit for that in terms of the earnings you're seeing now are far better than the same number of headline you would have seen a few years ago. And the same applies to some of the financial structures in those earnings and cross-currency swaps and some other things that have mm. been also that have boost earnings or add risk and they've been reduced across the sector as well. So it's, it looks much better from that perspective. Um, that's much harder to put a hard number on that. Yeah, I take a point of putting a number to it, but, but certainly a better quality. And in many senses, the property market, I mean, the pandemic was really, really tough for listed REITs. We know that story. Their toughness actually started before. And the, the sector broadly, I mean, to what you were saying now, it, it does look in a better position. It had a decent 2023 and frankly, it's a, a positioned, I think, fairly nicely for this year. It might not get back to pre-COVID levels, but it, it should give us upside for 2024. Yeah, my sense is, look, things remain tough. The economy is weak. So yeah. you can't expect boom. But the sentiment is, to the sector has been so negative for so long and things don't fall forever. You know, even fundamentals, you get to a level where growth is possible and a lot of negativity is back in. And I think we gained that level in, in listed property. That's my sense. Yeah, I take your point 100%. Evan Robbins, Old Mutual Investment Group, appreciate the time today. When you stay invested over time in Stanlib's Global Multi-Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money's in for some smooth sailing. With our global partners, J.P. Morgan Asset Management at the helm, your money can withstand the pressure and bad weather day-to-day market conditions cause. All aboard? Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on The Money. Chatting now with uh, Sean Neithling. He is Head of Investments at Morningstar South Africa. Sean, appreciate the early morning. Uh, delistings have been a, a trend on the JSC and delistings overweighing uh, new listings. It's seen our own market shrink to some 300 listed stocks. It is a worrying trend. I want to dig into it. It's also a, a global trend. We've seen similar in Europe. We've seen uh, uh, similar in, in, in the UK as well. Good morning, Simon, and good morning to your listeners as well, and thank you for having me on the show. Um, so, yeah, exactly right. I think, you know, the delisting topic has been very topical, um, and it's not something which is especially new. Uh, it's been coming for a number of years. Um, you know, the way that we really look at things is if you look at the market today versus probably 20, 25 years ago, uh, we do see a very different market in terms of structure. If you look at 2000, uh, you know, that was at the height of the South African sort of mining booms. You had lots of mining companies which dominated the index. Um, and if you look at the market today, it's somewhat more differentiated. Um, but what does stand out to us is just the market levels of concentration. Um, and again, South Africa is not unique in this regard. It's probably one of the most topical, uh, I suppose, issues in global markets at the, at the moment. If you look at the U.S., 
So South Africa is certainly not unique. Um, and also, if you look at the UK um, and Europe, you know, net delistings mm. um, as opposed to new listings coming to the market. And, and, and the key thing, and you mentioned it there, it's around that concentration. A lot of these delistings are in the, the smaller stocks, which for, for institutional investors was never a space that, you know, a 300 million rand stock is, is, is not investable just because of its size. But that concentration, it makes it harder. And I would wager probably riskier for, for active managers in a more concentrated market. Yes, Simon, I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, more benchmark cognizant managers, you know, in terms of their mandates that they're running with their clients, would probably invest most in the top 40 stocks. And those Mm. top 40 stocks make up approximately 85, you know, percent of of the overall JSE. Um, So you do find a convergence of ideas, um, you know, across those, uh, let's call it those, those top 40 stocks. And what it does mean, though, is that, you know, the delisting trend, if it continues to the extent that it has, there is a potential that it crowds out sort of more active managers um, in terms of their ability to sort of add alpha and outperformance on on behalf of their clients. Uh, But on average, you know, the, the average delisting, if you look at it over the last five years or so, those companies have largely been sort of small mid-cap and probably fledgling companies with market mm. caps, um, which would largely preclude them from, you know, the larger managers allocating capital in size to them uh, for the retail institutional mandates that they run. Yeah, and therefore in, in many cases, I mean, it might have disappeared from a private client portfolio, but a lot of those weren't in the in the bigger ones. The process then, I suppose, is is, is for investment managers, is, is understand what this market concentration is going to do and, and how your your thinking perhaps needs to adjust. And Because the trend is probably likely to continue. It might speed up, it might slow down at points, but the, the investment philosophy, for want of a phrase, perhaps needs to be tweaked. Yeah, I think so, Simon. I think, you know, if you look at the past uh, and you, I suppose, you lean into base rates, um, it's a useful, I suppose, estimate of what you can expect in the future, particularly if you use a long enough sort of time series of history. I think in South Africa, there's, uh, like I mentioned, there's, it's called it structural market change, with mm-hmm. the market looking different today versus, say, 20, 25 years ago. Um, and then there are also structural changes that affect markets. Uh, so something like, you know, Regulation 28, which allows managers to take more capital offshore. Um, what that does is, you know, it forces managers to potentially look outside the immediate circle of competence uh, to potentially look at opportunities in offshore markets. So I do think if you look at the, let's call it the mix of assets in South Africa um, today versus even two years ago, um, what you'll find is you probably got to take more of a forward looking view in terms of what you can expect, uh, I suppose, South African equities to deliver um, given the current makeup of the market. And then at a portfolio level, you've got to look at once you combine South African equities with global equities, um, what does that actually mean for expected returns and risk for investors? And it is, and I like that phrase, that circle of, of, of competence. It's, it's kind of almost been squeezed into areas, particularly in the offshore space, which is so, so significantly mm-hmm. vaster. Uh, and I suppose knowing what you know and, and importantly knowing what you don't know and, and, and how to fill those gaps and what you don't fully know. Yeah, 100%, Simon. Look, at Morningstar, I don't think, you know, we in the camp where we think that global exposure, global equities only need to be managed by global managers. We do mm-hmm. think we have some really good stock pickers in South Africa. Uh, but that circle of competence particularly speaks to how teams are resourced. Um, and, and again, you know, what mm-hmm. the depth of your investment and research, the research process is. That is a potential source of outperformance and let's call it alpha for managers that can get it right. Um, but we do think, you know, in South Africa, you do have a universe that's especially cheap at this point in time. Um, and that's really where we look at the listings in terms of more active managers that do potentially have a wider universe. How do you combine, I suppose, market beta uh, mm. in terms of those very concentrated holdings with, let's call it, those more differentiated positions that sit outside that index 
um, and then overlay that with your ability to take capital offshore. Yeah, and I take your point. That is perhaps the opportunity uh, for that offer. We'll leave it there. Sean Nethling, Head of Investments, Morningstar, South Africa. Always appreciate the early morning. MoneyWeb at Midday is South Africa's fastest-paced audio news and current affairs show. Give me 30 minutes and I'll give you the country and the world. This is what you missed. Because of government inefficiencies, you're looking at the fuel levy in a sense as a, a cash cow taking hard-earned tax money from citizens to compensate for government inefficiencies. Live at noon weekdays and then up as a podcast on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb at Midday with me, Jeremy Max when you need relevant news quickly in your own time. That's it for today. We were chatting with uh, Philip Bradford yesterday from Portfolio Metrics. They're listing a actively managed income ETF uh, on the JSC tomorrow. Uh, we asked if you were buying or holding uh, income products for that great yield. Uh, you all know the cliche now, equity-like returns without the risk. Almost half of you said yes, loving the yields. The third said keen and not yet. The rest say nope, you prefer equity only. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the Money Web website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is Money Web Now. If you're loving the show, please leave us a positive rating in your podcatcher of choice. And we'll chat again tomorrow. Are central banks still buying gold? You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.